We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Gold. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2 and he's... From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal, soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Pilato. Today we're going to start to talk about the linebackers, the inside linebackers, obviously on the last show. As we roll through forward in our positional breakdown series, it's almost training camp time, though. Don't worry, real news is on the way. But as we roll forward, breaking down the roster position by position, we want to hit the inside backers as well. Um, and obviously last week we hit up the edge players. So today we're going to focus just on that new revamped inside backer corpse. And obviously the Giants 
acquired a lot of linebackers this offseason, both via the draft and free agency. So there's a lot of new faces to talk about here, as well as a couple returnees. So before we do that, Nick, I want to get a little quick quarantine update from your boy. How's it going, bud? It's going well, man. Nothing too special, to be honest, since last week. It's just been the same stuff, running, lifting. I mean, I'm blessed to have that gym in my basement, man. I literally would be going insane right now without it because uh, lifting weights and physical fitness is a huge part of my life. But, uh... So I do, I, I do see your face right now over Skype, and I see the, the pain in your face because you don't have it. And I, and I, I just want to say I'm sorry, my friend. Oh, man. Not only do I not have it, Nick, I found out the other day that the old gym that I used to go to has been charging me for months without, let, without me telling, even though I canceled online, quote-unquote, without me knowing they were charging me for months. Um, that second part was my fault, that without me knowing part because it was sent to an other email address that I don't check a lot. Finally checked it, canceled my card, and they had the audacity after charging me for every month of quarantine when they weren't even open. They were charging me my, my fee when not even open. They had sent me a notice like, oh, look, like your payment didn't go through like because I canceled the card, the credit card. They're like, oh, your payment didn't go through. I'm like, all right, yeah, good job taking me to small claims court for that money because I ain't giving you a goddamn dime of that money. You're not seeing a single cent. You're lucky you got that extra $100 from me for those three months or whatever it was, but they're not going to see a dime. And I haven't even canceled the membership yet. I'm going to let them go two months with them trying to and see if they start to try to collect on me. So I ain't paying them a dime. And and and, they, and good luck with them trying to take me to small claims court. By the time that happens, this gym will be closed down for good because they'll be out of business. So that's my little rant for today, my little quarantine rant. As I roll on to month three or four without working out, face is getting fatter, completely out of shape, eating unhealthy. And it's all going to change. It's all going to change soon. Don't worry. Things are getting better here. We're going to we're gonna open things back up eventually here. I think gyms are starting to open up. So we'll see what happens there. But all I can say is it's been quite some time. But in other news, I've been you know kind of supplementing that with some hikes. Went on a nice little hike with my brother who was in town this past weekend. Good time. Um, and always, always down for a hike. I think hiking is a very, very underrated activity. Yeah, hiking. I'm I'm a fan of it. I don't, I don't do it nearly as much. I mean, probably because I did it so much uh, between the ages of 18, 22, not really on a voluntary basis. <laughs> so I guess um, I'm talking about just being in the military. So right. you, know, you hike all the time. It's definitely not good for your knees, but it's definitely something. There's a lot of hills and a lot of uh, places in New Jersey that are really beautiful when you actually think about it. So it's something I should probably do a little bit more often. Exactly, Nick. All right, let's dive into the Giants linebacker corpse, the inside backer corpse. So I think we should do this on an individual basis, but first from an overall 30,000-foot view here. Do you think that with the additions made on the inside backer corpse, and now we're looking at an inside backer corpse that includes Blake Martinez, free agent signing, David Mayo re-signing, Ryan Connolly potentially recovering from an ACL, Rookies, Tay Crowder, TJ Brunson, um, some guys, some later guys here, Dana Levine, Dominique Ross, some guys that might not make the roster. And then potentially someone like Cam Brown might kick inside. We don't know. We really don't know what their plan is for Carter Coughlin either, though I don't think he's going to go inside. Do you think that overall versus what they had last year in the linebacker corps on the inside backer corps, they're an improved unit? Every time you say corpse, I think of like a mummy or something like that, but that's irrelevant. Yes, I do believe they are. I think it is corpse and not core. I'm pretty sure. It's core. No, it's corpse. It's core, dude. Wide receiver corpse. I guarantee you it's wide receiver corpse. It's the United States Marine Corps. And it's C-O-R-P. I guarantee you it's wide. Let's Google this right now. This is great radio. Wide receiver corpse. I can guarantee you. 
I, and I'm I, not saying it's not corpse like spelled like a corpse. I'm talking about C O R P S. The S is silent. Fine, wide receiver corp. You might be right about that part. Yep. <laughs> uh, ranking every receiver corp, uh, NFL wide receiver corp power rankings. That's PFF, SB Nation, NFL.com, Bleacher Report. Yep, I think I'm right here. NFL. Oh, did I say NFL.com? The score, Reddit. Here, silly question. Is This is from Reddit. Silly question. Is it wide receiver core or corpse? <laughs> so someone else has clearly ran into this problem before seven years ago. Ooh, okay. And then we hear neither. It's corp. So he asks, is a wide receiver core or corp with one? with, And there you go. The S is silent, and it comes out to just be core. It is corpse, as in Peace Corps or United States Marine Corps. It's core. Core, fine. You know what? <laughs> Either way, I'm right. It's, it's, not, it's not, the, not the way you— There's two competitive, two competitive hardhead guys going at each other. But, yeah, I, I think when you look at a, the Giants linebackers from a holistic perspective, they are much improved from last year. I mean, I just look at the top. Blake Martinez, Alec Ogletree. Those are the two guys. When you look at the 2020 and the 2019 Giants, who would be the default number one, I guess you could say, linebackers. And to me, Blake Martinez is a much superior, a much uh, more, much better mental processing, I guess you can say, than someone like Alec Ogletree. And I think Ryan Connolly, that, that's going to be the big question mark. And I think the Giants linebacker core is... <laughs> Is, it's kind of hard to evaluate because you saw the flashes from Ryan Connolly, but it was so, it, it was in such a limited capacity because of the injury. So if he can right, return right. to that and maybe even grow from that and actually bounce back from that injury, I think you're looking at something in the beginning of the 2019 season and the beginning of the 2020 season. You're much more encouraged by the 2020 season than the beginning of the 2019 season when it comes to the linebackers. We may have a little bit of banter here then, Nick, because I don't see this as a very much improved unit. I don't see it as a unit that they really spent that much, that many resources on. They made one big play in this unit, and that's to replace Alec Ogletree with Blake Martinez. And although Blake Martinez is someone who has caught a lot of flack from Giants fans, and and to some degree, rightfully so, he's going to immediately improve. People, you have to understand something. The Giants added Leonard Williams midseason and had a defensive line, interior defensive line that included Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson, B.J. Hill, who didn't play that many snaps, but gave them some really good snaps when he was on the field, and Dexter Lawrence. But at times, the Giants' run defense was still trampled all over. Now, why is that? There's really one big reason. Well, there's two reasons. One, it hurt them when they lost their alley defender, Jabril Peppers. There's no doubt about those injuries definitely hurt them. But that was secondary to the main thing. Alec Ogletree, who got busted all the time for his inability to cover receivers in one-on-one coverage and running backs out of the backfield, you just saw him just get destroyed on those routes, and even tight ends when he was forced to do that was actually worse when he was asked to stop the run coming right at them. I think Alec Ogletree was the biggest reason why the run defense sometimes didn't look good despite having that line. Now, what can Blake Martinez do? He can immediately fix that. Like you said, there's reasons behind it. One, he's a better mental processor. That's the main reason. Alec Ogletree was never really a good inside backer with the Rams. He was a good sideline-to-sideline tackle, racker up, or whatever you want to call it. He had the once uh, second-team All-Pro season there with with Los Angeles. I think they were St. Louis at the time. And he had, I I believe, 103 tackles there. But a lot of those were sideline-to-sideline cleanup plays. He was never good when the run came right at him in, in Los Angeles. And he was never good doing that with New York either. Now, was he a better blitzer in Los Angeles than we saw in New York? Yeah, but that could be on the defensive coordinator. And maybe Blake Martinez isn't as good a blitzer as Ogletree was. But that's such a small component to playing that position that it doesn't really factor in that much. Now, what will factor in is the run coming right at him. And that's something Blake Martinez does well. But why am I not ready to crown this unit 
a much improved unit? Well, one, I think Blake Martinez struggles with a lot of the same things that Ogletree does when it comes to one-on-one coverage. And that, to me, is a very limiting, uh, it brings up a very limiting, it just makes you a, lim- a limited defense. It's you need, And now, God forbid we act like every NFL team can find these backers who can hold up one-on-one in coverage. They're so freaking rare. This is this is why I put the pedal to the metal and I wanted Devin Bush in that draft class, even though he, you know, that wasn't even his main forte. But there's been guys that I've been wanting, you know, two years ago, um, my my blanket his name the kid that the Niners drafted in the third round. Oh, uh, Fred Warner. Fred Warner. I was all over Warner. Wanted him in the second round for the Giants. Those type of backers on the inside who can cover in these situations are so rare to find. And I'm not going to act like every team can do it, but I because I don't I think Blake Martinez has his limitations there. I'm not ready to crown this a much improved unit. And before I end there, I want to say this. We can project all we want with Ryan Connolly, who I thought was unbelievable in his limited Sam slides. And I'm not using that word lightly. He really, truly was unbelievable. He took over that Washington Redskins game. I covered that game live with Daniel Jones' first start. They do not win that game without Ryan Connolly and the plays that he made. But we got a small sample size from him last year. But this year, you can't count on 16-game sample size just yet, and you can't count on him to return exactly to form. Usually it takes guys one year from that ACL to return exactly to form. I don't disagree with you, but I think when you're also looking at the linebacker position, you have to think about how Patrick Graham is going to deploy the linebackers in this defense. I, I feel like they're going to be, and it seems like the NFL is trending in this direction, you have a lot more star-type roles uh, implemented in the NFL. So we're going to be looking at, like we've talked about a lot on this podcast, more three-safety looks. So we're going to be seeing a lot more Xavier McKinney, Julian Love, and Jabril Peppers in the box next to Blake Martinez, which is something that he did a lot in Green Bay. He was a lot of the times the only linebacker out there for the Green Bay Packers. And they ran a lot of dollar kind of formations where dime type formations as well, where he was the only true linebacker. And then you have a bunch of just so second level defenders, like we're talking about mostly safeties, hybrid type players who are effective against the run, but they really are defensive backs. So I think that's another way we can kind of look at this. They, they invested in the position by bringing in all those late picks, but those are late picks, and some of them probably won't even end up making the team. But they are bringing in talent to kind of fill that second-level defender role. But I think at the end of the day, we're just going to be seeing a lot of three-safety looks. And I think yeah. Patrick Graham can employ that in many different ways. So we probably won't see as much of a David Mayo or even a Ryan Connolly on these passing-down situations. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point for a lot of reasons. One, you know when they made the signing of Martinez, they had in mind the defense that was coming in with Patrick Graham. And you know, based on what you just said, that they've seen Blake Martinez work in these packages. Remember, guys, this is going to be a very different defense even than James Betcher's. There are some similar concepts coming in. Betcher, like all defensive coordinators, used a crap ton of nickel last year. But I think what you'll see more of is what Nick mentioned, these three safety looks versus kind of the three corner nickel looks. Yeah. Um, and Patrick Graham, too, coached Blake Martinez. Remember, he was up there in Green Bay, and that's definitely something that we have to consider as well. Not only did he coach Blake Martinez, he coached the best season Blake Martinez played in, in his NFL career under Patrick Graham, and that's something to, to, to consider as a plus as well. But what I think Martinez can do, even though I don't think he's the best in one-on-one coverage, I think he's okay in coverage in space, and I think he can understand and operate the scheme from that position. There's just so much, like, like we've known for years, whether it be Antonio Pierce, whether it be for that one and a half season, John Beeson, whether it be Alec Ogletree, 
That's the quarterback of the defense. The Mike is the quarterback of the defense, and Blake Martinez is going to be in that role. He was in that role for a Packers defense that was really good last year. And sure, he may have some athletic limitations in one-on-one coverage, but that's kind of where the Bucks stop. And he might not be the best blitzing linebacker, but that doesn't matter because that's never. It's not going to happen very often. If you're going to see those inside blitzes, it's probably going to be more Xavier McKinney and and Jabril Peppers shooting in. But uh, as we as we've kind of seen, both do a good job of previously in their careers, even though they weren't used as much, or I should say Peppers wasn't used as much in that role with James Betcher. McKinney was certainly used a decent amount in that role with Nick Saban, who used him in the box, I don't know, 33% of the snaps there. So Xavier McKinney's easily going to be somebody you can see in that role. But again, what Martinez is going to be asked to do, he's going to be able to provide a massive upgrade over Alec Ogletree. I think he's going to be I don't think he's going to be the main reason why the Giants have a top 10 run defense this year, but I think he's going to be a necessary component to why the Giants have a top 10 run defense. Now, the mainly have it, I believe, because of Dalvin Tomlinson, Dexter Lawrence, um, and and Leonard Williams up there in the middle. But without him behind them, it's not going to work. Without him, Peppers and McKinney behind them, and those safeties behind them, it's not going to work out. And I think they'll be healthy. I think they'll and think they'll help this defense improve to a top ten run defense. What can that get you in today's NFL? It can get you somewhere. It can get you into third and long situations and the obvious passing downs. Obviously, you have to convert from there. But last year it wasn't a given. The Giants' run defense wasn't always good, especially in the second half, even after they added Leonard Williams. And I think we'll see that immediately improve with the addition of Blake Martinez. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Yeah, the addition of Blake Martinez, Giants fans, he's kind of been a bit polarizing when he signed with the New York Giants because on one hand, you had a lot of people applauding him because he was a tackling machine. He had over 100 tackles, three seasons in a row in Green Bay, and that's all well and good. But then on the other hand, People were criticizing him because he wasn't a good coverage guy, and they said that he was more of a cleanup type linebacker. And to an extent, Martinez has admitted that as well. He said that he was kind of a cleanup guy there. A lot of people would criticize him, saying, yeah, all of this tackles that he made were four yards down the field, five yards down the field. And I thought that was somewhat unfair because people playing in front of him in Green Bay were not that great, to be honest. And that's not just to disparage the Green Bay defensive line, but we saw what San Francisco did against yeah. the Green Bay defense. And in that game, Martinez, it wasn't his best game, but there were still some plays where he was, you know, these were ex- very exotic looks from Kyle Shanahan, but they were like the same plays over and over again, just from different looks. And that's kind of like crazy to think about, but that just goes to the genius of Kyle Shanahan and that San Francisco 49ers rushing attack. But there were still plays in that game where Martinez was keying, diagnosing, and actually blowing some plays up at the line of scrimmage or in the backfield to make you go, okay, this guy definitely processes at a different level, but he just did not have a lot of stuff playing in front of him. I think he's going to fall somewhere in between those people who are really high on him because of his tackle percentage or because of his tackle, uh, the amount of tackles that he gets and the people who are low on him because he does have some athletic limitations as a coverage linebacker. I think he's going to be right somewhere in the middle of that. I'm personally glad the Giants signed him. I I think three 
for 30 isn't a terrible deal. And I think Patrick Graham needed a smart, experienced linebacker that he knew to help run this defense and help, as you said, quarterback this defense. So at the end of the day, I look at the signing and I'm I'm 100% fine with it. I'm not only fine with it, I'm really excited about the signing, Nick, because I don't think there was anyone else in free agency that could have done what Martinez is going to do from both what you said, the process and quarterback standpoint, and most importantly, just helping them shore up a run defense that should be really good with that interior front. It should be, but Corey Littleton, a free agent who a lot of people wanted the Giants sign, wasn't going to do that. He wasn't going to play that same role as Martinez, and neither was Nick Kwiatkowski, the guy from the Bears who also signed with the Raiders. I think both Littleton and Kwiatkowski went there. Both hot names in free agency, both guys with better PFF numbers, both guys who might be a little more, who are definitely a little more athletic, especially in Littleton's case, but neither of who was going to play this role, and they weren't going to find this role in the draft either, not someone who could start right away, especially in a COVID-shortened offseason. So I think this was one of their better signings for that reason out of it was a massive need signing and he's someone who could do this and yeah there are more linebackers than who can do what he can do versus the guys like Bobby Wagner who can do it all and cover one-on-one and everything like that but there aren't but there weren't that many on the free agent there weren't any others that I saw that stood out in the free agent market and there weren't going to get somebody to do that day one from the draft so my opinion that was an excellent signing and he'll make a big impact now behind him let's talk about a couple of the other guys let's start with who we touched on a little earlier Ryan Connolly were you so here's the deal with Connolly he was buried kind of in a really talented and deep Wisconsin linebacker corpse didn't have the best measurables oh, no. i mean you could laugh that off nick but look at look at the pro conversion rate in wisconsin no, I'm, laughing at, I'm laughing at the corpse bro oh core yeah <laughs> but i mean listen wisconsin badgers they're becoming linebacker you at this point if you really look at it the linebackers that have converted from to, to pros there it's it's out of control really between watt and and, and potentially Connolly and the kid who i'm forgetting joel schobert and Even guys kid, like van ginkle and and van Beagle, ginkle yeah. Eagles playing real they're both real guys that each team would say you're damn right we want this guy in the roster these are good players um and he was kind of another guy who kind of fell behind you know got lost in that mix but he had one thing that really attracted him to the Giants and that was the 10 yard split which since 2003 was the third best time I believe of any inside backer on the 10 yard split and from what I saw he was really quick and good at diagnosing plays and shooting and attacking, but he was also pretty good in coverage, making plays in that regard, and just overall seemed like a really complete linebacker, something I hadn't seen at that second level on the inside for years with with the Giants. And it's, again, such a small, small sample size. We know that that's obvious. But having said that, I mean, there's a lot to like there with Ryan Connolly. What did you take away from watching him on film in that limited sample size? And do you think that he's someone who could kind of work his way into more snaps than he had his his, his rookie year? Yeah, 100%. But it all it's all going to come down to is he healthy and is he fully back from the ACL injury? Now, if I had to just quantify, I guess, his performance by a couple of traits, it would be decisiveness through mental processing, quick first step like you already alluded to, and athletic ability that not a lot of people will really talk about. And I think athletic ability within the box, those quick instincts and the ability to kind of see and then react like your reactionary quickness, that's kind of a play speed type thing. It's not necessarily athletic ability. It's not necessarily mental processing, but it's both, I guess you can say. So I guess you could say it is both necessarily those things. I should have uh, rather put it that way, but he was able to see and react in a very quick and decisive manner for a rookie playing on a defense that wasn't all that great. And it was evident from week two, I would say. I mean, he he played 
Uh, he played a little bit in Dallas, but I didn't really see him too much. But in week two against Buffalo, he made a couple tackles. Where I was like, oh, who, Ryan Connolly, okay. He's, he's stepping into the defense and playing well. And then against Tampa Bay, he had a couple good plays. And then that Washington game, the game that he got hurt, he really stepped up. He ended up having that interception. He had a sack in that game as well. He was kind of all over the place. He was good, uh, good in coverage as well. And it's just within the box, he seemed like he uh, thrived, I guess you could say, when it comes to uh, keying and diagnosing what the offense was doing, whether it was power, whether it was inside zone, and then uh, playing with gap discipline as well. So those are all little things I saw from Ryan Connolly. And obviously, going into that season, it was not something that I expected. I mean, he was a fifth-round pick. I don't follow the Wisconsin Badgers nearly as closely as you do, but I pay attention to the draft. Like I knew who he was, and I was like, oh, yeah, he seems like a seems like a smart player. I didn't really think much of him, and he really impressed me early on in the season. And it, it was kind of devastating when he ended up getting injured uh, in that in that late night. Washington game so but I'm, I'm excited for the future with him and he's going to have an opportunity to start if he's healthy in base type defenses along with Martinez yeah there's no doubt about it I think that he is easily as far as this inside linebacker corpse goes their highest upside play I would say going into the season now there's obviously a floor there that we've discussed but we'll see what happens there how about David Mayo a guy they re-signed went up playing a massive role last year I think me and you are a bit split on him I know that you always like to say keep it in perspective he's still you know special teams guy as well where he's doing stuff good locker room guy I didn't love watching Mayo play I thought he was a liability a lot when we watched the tape and we watched that all 22 where do you see him moving forward with this roster and kind of the role he'll play this season. Mainly the games where, where I saw liability for sure was the Minnesota game sticks out. Yes. The, sec- the second Dallas game sticks out to me. Um, but a lot, there were some plays that he made throughout the season where I was like, man, that was David Mayo. That was a quick acceleration, mm-hmm. quick diagnosing skills, and and uh, really like read, react, attack kind of mindset. Where I was like, I didn't expect this from you know a guy who was just a Gettleman, somebody Gettleman brought on because he drafted him in the fifth round back in like 2015 or whatever it was. So I. I like Mayo for who he is. I think he can be he's somebody you do not want starting necessarily, but he's somebody who can start if asked to, and he's somebody who can also excel on special teams. So I think the contract that the Giants ended up giving him at the end of the season was fair. It was low cost. It was a, you know minimum risk, and this is a guy who's going to bust his ass. He has high competitive toughness, and he's going to do everything that he can to appease the coaching staff and execute his assignments. I don't think he's a great athlete. I don't think he is the biggest liability as an athlete either. He's definitely somebody, again, you don't necessarily want starting, but you could do a lot worse than someone like David Mayo, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's fair when it comes to Mayo. I think he can still play a role on this roster. I just don't think he can play the sizable role he played last year if the Giants want to be a better defense. I think I'd keep it at that. How about the depth in this inside backer corpse, though, Nick? I mean, behind those three, we're looking at a rookie here with Tay Crowder, potentially TJ Brunson, two late, late, late round picks. What do you make, both seventh rounders, by the way, and then a couple undrafted free agents, and then Josiah, who I never know how to pronounce this guy's name, Josiah Tuefa, who was uh, somebody they brought on last year, barely made it through the the process. So is this an issue? Is depth going to be an issue here, or do you just see them using so few inside backers that it won't matter? I think they're going to try to implement and kind of use more even edge guys and stuff on third right. downs where they're going to be like kind of flowing around. So you might see someone like Carter Coughlin more and you have someone like Cam Brown, who is ve- it's a very unique player. And we've talked kind of at length about him throughout our draft podcast. But what 
he looks like a small forward in the NBA. He's like a six foot six, two hundred and thirty three pound linebacker with thirty four inch arms. Like that's ridiculous. I think he's going to end up finding his way onto the field, and he definitely will be utilized on special teams. But I, I'm I'm excited about somebody with that kind of arm length and wingspan. But he's still a raw player, and he's going to have to do better. And I don't feel like he's going to be on the field early on. But I think towards the end of the season, we may see him, especially if injuries do occur. But looking at some of these other guys, like. TJ Brunson and Tay Crowder, I have some concerns from their athletic ability, from their speed and things along those lines we've kind of talked about. They don't necessarily have the coverage ability or that sideline to sideline speed or explosiveness that that you really need, I guess, in a full-time NFL role. And that's what you're kind of getting when you're drafting in the seventh round of the uh, NFL draft. You're probably, probably here at the train right now, so just ignore that right now. But Brunson and Crowder are both smart. They're both intelligent players uh, playing in the SEC, both highly productive. TJ Brunson was a team captain. And I want to say that the Giants, Dave Gettleman, fell in love with him down at the Senior Bowl, and he didn't end up getting a combine invite. So the NFL didn't love him as a whole. So he might have just been, quote unquote, one of Gettleman's guys. I don't believe all these guys are going to make the team when it comes to Brunson, Crowder, and Dominique Ross, who to me is raw, but a much more explosive and athletic and even exciting player, I would say, than Brunson or Crowder, just from like a limited uh, tape that I have seen on Dominique Ross. I was intrigued by what he seems to offer. Plus, he's like six foot four, 228 pounds, so he has that ideal kind of build. And I love his first step explosiveness. And then you have someone like uh, Josiah Tuafera, I think he's somebody who I remember he got in, I think it was the Vikings game. He saw some snaps and he made a couple tackles on Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison where I was like, oh, okay. And he's very noticeable because he has the long hair. He stepped in on special teams and played uh, well. I'm not going to write him off just because he's not the new flavor of the week and he's been on the team for a year. I think him, Brunson, Crowder, Ross are all competing for maybe two spots. You can throw Devontae Downs into that as well. I think Cam Brown is going to make this team. Carter Coughlin, I feel, has a very solid chance to make this team. But there might be only like two, possibly three spots because there's going to be a 55-man roster now in the practice squad. You get to call up two more guys between Brunson, Tuafera, Crowder, Ross. You get to throw Dana Levine in there possibly uh, too, even though he's more of an edge type guy. But there's depth. And it's more of a, we're going to throw the dart at the dart board as many times as possible. And hopefully we hit a bullseye kind of approach. It wasn't, we're going to go draft Isaiah Simmons. It was, we're just going to select a bunch of these second level defenders and linebackers and hope that we hit on a couple of them. And I think there are some intriguing skill sets. I wish Brunson and Crowder were a bit more athletic, but I think Cam Brown is going to stick on this roster. And I wouldn't be shocked if Tua Farrow or Ross possibly make this roster or even Brunson or Crowder. But it, I don't feel like there's going to be roster spots for all of these guys. So we're going to be seeing some cuts coming. Yeah, cuts are coming. They added a ton of depth. But I think the more interesting thing that you've touched on on this podcast and that we've discussed off pod as well is that there's going to be different guys playing different roles on these passing downs. We're going to see Carter Coughlin. Maybe we're going to see maybe even someone like Lorenzo Carter and Kyla Fracker kind of lined up where you would think it kind of looks like an inside backer, but they're not. They're kind of just these rotating second and third level guys. We'll see it with the safeties as well. And I think there's going to be some really interesting looks from Graham in that regard. Like you said, it's really just more of a free-flowing defense at the second and third level. So I think while there is some concern with the depth at inside backer, you don't want another situation like the Giants have had in the past and like they had last year. I remember deep back into the Giants history, not even that deep, but where they were the one season, was it a couple years ago, a few years ago, where they were so badly, so 
so injured at inside backer that they were signing guys off the street to play in like key games. It was one of the playoff years. It was actually the year where one of Eli, this was a long time ago, one of Eli's first playoff losses was like a 24 nothing shutout loss or something close to that. I believe it was to the Panthers, I want to say. It was against the Panthers. I remember that vividly because I went on a, a like a seven mile run in, in a red giants jersey of mine in like a depressive <laughs> state when i was like whatever i was 14 at the time <laughs> yeah i mean they they entered that game i think with like three street linebackers off the street so i mean like the depth is a concern from that standpoint but i think within this scheme it's different you know that was the old giants de- defense where it was a strict 4-3 and they were these plotting linebackers playing every single down it felt like in the middle. This is a different defense. There's going to be a lot more secondary players playing near the line of scrimmage and in the box. And there's less of a need for, you know, there's less of a need in general for these for these inside linebacker types. So hopefully the depth doesn't come back to haunt them. Anything else on the inside backer corpse you wanted to touch on? I mean, when you, just like you said, when hopefully the depth doesn't come back to hurt them. And I do agree, but there's been plenty of teams that have absolutely neglected the linebacker position. We're talking about playoff teams, teams like Philadelphia, if you want to stay in the division. And then on the flip side, you look at the Cowboys who have, who have uh, historically have neglected the position, but recent years, what do they do? They poured assets into it with Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith. And you know what? It seems like it turned out to be a really wise move from the Dallas Cowboys. But look at the Eagles. They literally do absolutely nothing to that position. And both of these teams have success. So there's not one way to do it. You just hope that Patrick Graham can utilize his personnel to the best of its ability and maximize all of them. And I think with the secondary pieces, if they do stay healthy, I think all of Xavier McKinney, Jabril Peppers, and Julian Love can play in the box. And I think that's going to massively help this linebacker core and hopefully mask the, I guess, depth concerns that we both kind of share here. But uh, better hope some of these guys on the back end of the roster can play some special teams because I'm not sure how many of them will end up making the squad. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys, that's all we have today for the Inside Backer Corps. Stick with us because we got some big stuff finally on the way. It's training camp. It's almost here. We don't know what kind of training camp it's going to be just yet. Is it going to be limited? First of all, no fans are going to be allowed in attendance this year at training camp. The Giants have already announced that. The media may be limited. I've already talked with my boss, and since I live in the area, he wants me to go to training camp, so that's a great sign. I would love to be there reporting from camp. If I do get that opportunity again, uh, like last offseason, to go to training camp, I will for sure get you guys some exclusive content from there, exclusive interviews, and hopefully some video stuff like that. But I don't know what it's going to be like because they haven't released the plan yet for the media when it comes to training camp. So that's kind of all up in the air. But keep it locked and loaded. We'll have updates from camp, of course. Regardless if we're there or not, we're going to break down everything that's going down. You know, roster movement, depth chart movement, all of that good stuff. And we're also going to continue forward with our positional breakdown series as well. So keep it locked and loaded on the Big Blue Banter Podcast, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.